How's it going? Welcome back to the pod. Manchester City are Premier League champions once again. Nottingham Forest have escaped relegation. The European places are still up for grabs and the relegation race is getting ever tighter. So plenty to talk about today, guys. Starting with City, though, I think we have to give them their dues. It's difficult to not sound like a salty Manchester United fan when we talk about City winning the league. And there's been a lot of commentary, I think, from rival fans, not even rival fans, just neutrals about the way City have won the league and, you know, the points that, that they've got raised against them and their financial conduct. But on the football field alone, Miles, can we just sort of give them a bit of a a bit of credit where it's due, really? They've won the league fairly. I don't know if I could use that word, actually. They've won the league and done it in really fascinating fashion. I think the fact that they've won pretty much on course to get 94 points is incredible on its own, isn't it? And they just keep pushing those boundaries to make the challenge of winning the league even more difficult as Arsenal have found out. But how does City win the league in a nutshell, mate? Because it's a farmer's league with only one good team in it these days, isn't it? <laughs> Starting to feel a bit more like we're in Germany or France these days with uh, City's dominance. No, it's it's funny, isn't it? Because we obviously know that City have these endless riches and they've managed to recruit really well in the summer. Look at someone like Julian Alvarez scoring this weekend and he's not even starting most of their games. It's really impressive that City can continue to change things up and still keep that same level of success. Like last season, we were talking about how they played without a striker all season and they won the league. This season, they bring in the most striker of all strikers and and they win it again. So it's, it's amazing, really, what they are capable of. And frustrating that there is the bit of um, an asterisk next to it because it would be really nice to enjoy it for what it is and that's sensational football most of the time the tactical changes that they've made this season even through the season in the middle of the season have have seen them over the line in what's been an imperious finish they've they've just been outstanding for this second half of the season haven't they yeah well Arsenal made it fairly easy for them by losing to Nottingham Forest at the weekend. And I think their heads were already dropped anyway. But Manchester City, just a few stats for you, Dave. 65% possession on average throughout this season. The closest is Brighton with 61. That's a sensational figure, first of all. 89% pass success rate. Again, Brighton a second to them. So Brighton had a great season as well. But they're just dominating all these very Pep Guardiola statistics. Is this the apex of Man City, Dave? Is this, is this the peak of Man City and the peak of Pep Guardiola's play in action, do you reckon? Feels like we've been saying that for a number of years now, though, doesn't it? I think the the sort of consistency that we <laughs> actually had um, it's just been out of this world. And I think, like you mentioned there, actually, the last few months, we've, we've kind of seen a little bit of a revival from them really they were a little bit of out of sorts at the start of the season perhaps not in the best of form true um but last three months i think it's been about three months since they lost a game three and a half months which is it's crazy ridiculous yeah um but what you mentioned there mike i think we've seen you know everybody's played a part in that squad we've seen Mares come into it a little bit more in this last couple of months who's come in and when he's come in he's actually put a performance in i think that's the main thing we've mentioned as well when these players do come in pep gets them to play for him we don't see really any less than a 7 or 8 out of 10 from most of the players it's very off it's very rare yeah. that we see an off game um and like my, Mars has mentioned, he's, he's, try, he's tinkered with things throughout the season. Obviously, we're against Real Madrid. We saw John Stones come into the midfield again. And that it was <laughs> crazy to see in itself. And 
the second leg against Real, I know whilst we've not spoken much about it, but it just they just played, they were on a completely different level to anyone in the world at the minute. And that's a scary thing, really. I think that's the thing for me. Yeah, I think when you see Pep Guardiola prep his teams, he's almost exhausted by the amount of detail he puts into tactics, really, isn't he? At Barcelona, he had to have a sabbatical after the amazing run they went on. I feel like it will probably be the same whenever he eventually quits City because it must be exhausting to drill that much information into his players and you know demand tactically so much from them. But they've responded, and I think everyone's got positive things to say about Guardiola and his style of play and his management, haven't they, Miles? So. City without Guardiola, would that be a different proposition or are the players good enough to kind of be good under any coach, do you think? I think it's hard to say because there are players there that clearly are of a world-class calibre. But you also have to look at how well they're organised in defence all of a sudden. Mm. There were games earlier in the season where they, they looked like they might struggle in that area in particular. And if you consider Nathan Ake, for example, not a player that you would have imagined would start in most games for Man City, particularly at left back. And all of a sudden has had an outstanding season. Manuel Akanji came in in the summer and again, wasn't necessarily the most glamorous centre-back signing you would have expected. Settled in fantastically. People wondered if Carl Walker was starting to get a bit older and lose a bit of his pace, but still serves an amazing purpose. John Stones, as Dave mentioned, has found this weird hybrid role of right-back, right-sided centre-back defensive midfielder, sometimes even further at the pitch. He's playing like some sort of libero and in, who would have ever seen that come in? So it's a weird mix where you can see Guardiola's influence. And actually, even someone like Haaland, who plays so much off instinct, seems like he's on the touchline talking to Guardiola every five seconds. And that instruction has been vital for him to have the kind of season he's had. So it, City would still be a formidable force in the league without Guardiola, but the level of consistency that Guardiola gets from them and when he's able to find that next level at that crucial moment as City have done at this stage of the season, yeah, you've got to put that down to to really fine coaching, haven't you? Yeah. For saying, Dave, that they are going to probably get 94 points this season, that's only Guardiola's third best finish with Manchester City. Obviously, had the Centurion season, didn't they? Um, I think they had 98 in the season as well. So yeah. it's um, it's not a bad season by any shot. But we said in the middle of this season that they were having a bit of a wobble, didn't we? Jao Cancelo went out on loan to Bayern Munich and we were kind of asking questions about whether this was a mini crisis. But 12 wins in a row to to finish the season up to this point is just making a mockery of any, any negative thoughts about how they might have finished, isn't it? I think if you look at his his way of managing players as well in terms of man management, I think what he's done has been ridiculous, really. And that's an instance what you need to take, for example, the Cancelo instance. Is there's clearly no divides in that squad. Everyone is on the same wavelength. Because, in, for instance, mm. if it was happening in another team where it was a quite a popular player, and let's not forget how big a player Cancelo was for, for Manchester City. There, there wasn't any disruption. It almost... And we, we did look at it, didn't we, when we sort of wondered what was going on when he went out the door and we thought, hang on a minute, what's what's going to go on here? Obviously, mm. Arsenal were still well in the ascendancy and winning every week and we thought this might actually create a bit of a disruption. But it seems as though he's got his management style of the players to a perfection because they, they've they all come in and they've more than obviously filled in for... For instance, you talk about obviously Ruben Diaz coming back in as well. There was a time when he wasn't playing for a long while. He's come back in and he's looked the player that we we yeah. want. Um, so I, I think you can't you can't say any more sort of 
the superlatives for for Guardiola are just you know I, I think there's been a lot of comparisons the last few days between mm. this team and the United team of '99, and obviously for Ferguson and and Guardiola, um, which you know speaks speaks volume really to how bigger manager he is and how well he's done. He's definitely one of the best managers. He handled that diplomatically. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought Dave was about to go off then. These idiots calling Guardiola <laughs> as good as Ferguson. <laughs> I think no, well, that's a contentious issue, I think, for United fans. So I don't really want to dwell on that too much, Dave, to be honest. Um, but anyway, <laughs> if they were to win a, a, the Champions League, I think that's when people start making their minds up about this City team and, and Pep Guardiola's yeah. legacy. But it feels like a case of, of when rather than if for the Champions League. If not this season, then it's not far down the line, you'd imagine. But yeah, an incredible, this season. incredible squad. Yeah, Inter will have something to say about that. But they've got an incredible squad, and I think that, you can see how that makes a difference between their season and Arsenal's season because Arsenal arguably fell away because their squad couldn't handle big injuries to big players, and City can rotate to the heart's content. Really, can't they, Miles? Do you want to do you want a mad stat about how much Arsenal have fallen away that kind of gives me the last laugh? So. Remember when Arsenal beat Aston Villa at Villa Park 4-2 and there was the goal that went in off the back of Emi Martinez's head and then they he came up for the corner and Arsenal fans were very happy that they'd come away with that victory. Since then, both Arsenal and Villa have played 14 games each and Arsenal have picked up 27 points in those 14 games. Villa have picked up 30. Wow. So if, if you're playing against a side like Man City, you're going to win 12 in a row... Yeah, you you can't afford to to drop as many points as Arsenal have over the last few weeks. What, 27 out of 42? So they've dropped 15 points all of a sudden in their last 14 games. You you can't do that against a side like Man City. It's a huge, huge drop-off. It's a shame for them. It's still a very successful season, as we talked about, obviously. But yeah, you do feel like Man City being able to win the league without even kicking a ball on Saturday was really frustrating end to the season and Arsenal fans will be really disappointed. I know we're going to come on to the Forest game, but Arsenal just didn't settle in that game. And it, even though it kind of felt like they had nothing left to lose and they really just had to go for it, mm. they, they didn't really. Yeah. They looked really, really poor. It was one of the worst performances I've seen of them in this run. Yeah, they've absolutely, at that point, you could tell mentally checked out. Um, I think they just yeah. want the season to end so they can just sulk probably and try and get over it. Try and <laughs> try mourn again. the loss of uh, of a potential title because they were ahead for 90% of the Premier League season, which is you know, so difficult to swallow, isn't it? But on the Arsenal-Forest game, obviously the upside of that and the repercussions from that game aren't just to City winning the title. It's to the relegation picture as well, because Nottingham Forest confirmed their safety with that win, which, again, with the, the view of hindsight of an incredible battle for relegation survival at the uh, the last end of this season, is fantastic for Forest because they had a wobble, didn't they? And we said in the middle of the season mm. when they were doing actually quite well, you know, Forest have really surpassed anything we expected. Then they had this wobble, but the way they fought back, and especially in a game like this, Miles... What mm. resilience, what resolve, what an amazing testament to the lo- loyalty to a manager as well. Yeah, absolutely. It was something that Steve Cooper really earned, it felt like. It was a challenge. Coming up from the championship through the playoffs is always a challenge. And I think some people thought Forrest were a bit ahead of schedule. Then he had that huge rebuild in the summer, which was laughed at by many, probably us included. But... Cooper's clearly proven that he's a fantastic Premier League manager, that even with those circumstances, he's confirmed their safety. And actually, 
I think Forest fans will be really happy with this season. Mm. Their home form in particular has really given their fans something to, to, to cheer about. And I think that's been a massive factor as well. It was funny. I watched the, the game with my brother-in-law, who we've had on the podcast before, a huge Arsenal fan, and he, got the, he hit the nail on the head before the game kicked off. The way the Forest fans were, the atmosphere they created. He said to me, you watch City, City will just pass the ball for the first 10 minutes just to shut the crowd up, keep them quiet, stop them from having to think about anything. And Arsenal just completely failed to do that. They gave Forest all the momentum. They even gave them the opening goal, didn't yeah. they? Yeah. And it just looked like they were, yeah, bereft of any confidence. They looked shattered. I think a lot of them... The, tactics in the first half were bizarre and Forrest capitalised. There are some real standout players in that Forest side who will look at this season as a, a fantastic first season in the Premier League or a first season with Forest. And actually, yes, they may have signed 30 players. They're not going to have to do that again. It'll be tweaks now to improve and yeah. build on what's actually quite a strong foundation with some of the players they've got there. Yeah, I think the complete opposite to Man City statistically as well. Possession-wise, lowest in the league. Shots per 90 yeah. minutes, shots on target, lowest in the league. Yet, it's individuals and the brilliance of kind of the team effort that have really come to the fore. And I think on this particular game, Morgan Gibbs-White was fantastic. Oh, Tayo Awani yeah. one year has kind of had a great run of form in the last few games as well um, and actually scored more goals in the last five or six games than he had the previous 25 or something like that. So... Different players coming into different sort of levels of form and consistency within a team. That's really important, Dave, isn't it, to a team that are fighting relegation? Yeah, and a mention on Gibbs right there. I think I saw a stat the other day that he's had second most contributions in the last, I think it's three months, to Odegaard, which says a lot of how well he has been playing. That's great. Um, and he's been key, really, for them. He's been a key player. And I think his relationship has really blossomed with Brian Johnson. As the season's gone on, I think mm. we spoke a few weeks ago, didn't we, about whether we, where they've run their course, really, because they were doing so well when we did a, a piece on them a few weeks ago, and then they went about seven or eight games without a win, and we just thought, hang on, actually, they're, they're getting dragged into it now. Um, but these last few weeks, they've done phenomenally well, and like you mentioned there, Mike, at one year, I think he's been a real handful against the majority of teams I've seen him play against. He's he's handled himself really well and just proved a real uh... difference maker (laughs) he's a handful isn't he physically as well yeah do you know what with him in particular as well I think his goals have equated to 16 points for Forrest which is that's huge when you're down the bottom and and actually there's a lot of teams in that picture that that's what they're lacking a player that will drag them out like that if you think about the teams that are down there right now Bamford's not firing for Leeds. They're missing that player. Calvert-Lewin's constantly injured for Everton. They've not got that player. Leicester are relying on maybe Jamie Vardy to do that, which is is difficult these days. So that coming in at this stage of the season is huge. So as good as Gibbs-White and, and Brennan Johnson have been, and one year's got to be absolutely buzzing with the first season he's had in the end. Because... Mm. It wasn't always easy for him. He's struggled for game time at points of the season. Yeah. In January, they signed Chris Wood and it looked like maybe that was how they were going to try and fight for, for survival instead. But he's come in at this stage and yeah, I think he's I think he's been fantastic. A bit of fortune in the goal, obviously, because Gabriel gets to the ball first and it, it bounces off him. Mm. But 
you, you've got to take that look when you're in that kind of battle, really. And, and Forrest earns it, absolutely. I think They've been great to watch at times. I'm really glad that they're staying. I hope they can do something about their away form or they're going to struggle to keep this up again next season. But at home, yeah, they're a, they're a challenge for anyone in the league, as they proved in this yeah. game. I think the fact that they had this victory at home as well and the fact that it sealed um, security for the league for another season, the reaction from the crowd was incredible. And I think that's been yeah. such a big factor in them performing well they perform for their team that's that cliche 12th man isn't it but I mean I'm still trying to get my head around the fact that Keel Navas is in goal for Nottingham Forest yeah ridiculous it seems mad but a few of their signings in January were kind of like not really gelling initially and you did sort of wonder whether they were going a bit too far with the amount of players they were signing mm. but the likes of Danilo have done really well Felipe Amazing. Navas himself Felipe. even Serge Aurier as well has, has proved to be yeah. a really effective attacking wing back so there's a lot there to be kind of admired, really, with um, their their recruitment as well. It could have gone yeah. absolutely horrendous for them. We've said that in the past, but Steve Cooper, what a, a manager well, to coach that many characters so quickly. That's the one thing I, w- I would say. Forest fans probably think that we're, we're loving on them and are really happy about this, and they'll kill me for saying this. But Forest were loyal to Cooper at a time that looked difficult. I wonder how high Cooper's stock is right now mm. and whether maybe Spurs might come knocking. <laughs> oh, I don't Would know. he go? There's a lot of very good managers available at the minute. And I do think, West Ham? I think there's a bit of snobbery towards Steve Cooper still. I think there's a, probably a few, a few neutral fans that probably think he's looking to be in a job because they are that kind of fan where their club is normally pulling the trigger at the stage where you would imagine Steve Cooper would have been sacked. But the last thing they would have needed with the amount of change in their team anyway was be, would be to lose their manager and try and start again. So they've done absolutely the right thing, really, I think. Can we can we plug our podcast's individual success over the weekend quickly to mention something on, on Forest? Well, do you know what? Now we've had that <laughs> moment in the spotlight. Let's celebrate it. In case you didn't know, we've appeared on the news, haven't we, Miles? Tell us a bit more about it. <laughs> so, yeah, on Saturday at the end of the Forest-Arsenal game, the, the podcast made a, a wonderful feature on, on BBC News. It was very exciting. I, I mentioned it because that's something that I talked about with them, that actually the loyalty that Forrest paid to, to Cooper, that's the thing that's made a difference. Mm-hmm. Maybe had Leicester stuck with Bren, Brennan Rogers for a bit longer, they might have found a few more points. If Leeds are stuck with Jesse March, I think they probably would have found some more points. Yeah, and Southampton with Haas and Hootel as well. So there are examples of real success in changing your manager. Villa being the main one this season, I think, and and maybe for Brighton, weirdly. But there are other teams down the bottom that it looks like actually they're panicked. And now when you see West Ham climbing away after sticking with Moyes and Forrest sticking away with Cooper, maybe consistency was the thing that, that made all the difference. Mm. So I don't know. I, I'm happy for Forrest mainly because of that, because I think Cooper's a fantastic coach. The fact they stuck mm. with him is it, huge. Yeah. Well, if you want to see our moment in the spotlight, it is on our YouTube channel, so do check it out. Um, but Dave, we'll give some focus on the other teams still in the relegation battle because it's getting tight down there, isn't it? And I think um, the result for between Leicester and Newcastle tonight, after we've recorded this frustratingly, could kind of pretty much finalise that for Leicester, couldn't it, if the result goes badly for them? But obviously, they're still in it, Leicester. Leeds are very much still in it. Sam Allardyce has not found a win yet as, as Leeds boss. And of course, Everton scraping a one-all draw against uh, a Wolves team that are probably on the beach now was not the best result for them either. So all of them still misfiring, Dave. How do you think it's going to play out? It's so difficult to call, isn't it? And I think what you mentioned there, Everton, I don't think that point is enough for Everton. They, if they, they really needed to win that game, that would have 
gone a long way for them to pulling them to safety. I, I thought that was a big opportunity for them because mm. they've arguably probably got the easier fixtures of the the, the other two teams. Um, that's I think Leicester. I'll be very surprised if they get anything from the eighth now. The way Newcastle are playing, they're not letting everyone anyone off the hook. Um, and obviously, you mentioned Leeds. I, I think it's going to be out of Leeds and Leicester. They're the two worst performing teams in the league for me at the minute. Um, and it's a it's a pick em really. Um, Leeds, especially obviously again injuries as well. Um, Rodrigo obviously came off the knee and Bamford. Um, mm, big so mess. again, they're, they're they're really facing an uphill task. Leicester, you're just waiting. We've been waiting for them. We know how many talented players they've got in that squad. We've just been waiting for them to turn up. Mm. They just haven't. They've only got themselves to blame. And yeah. I think if you're that manager, I think if you're Dean Smith. You're really questioning their desire and their pride because, for me, they are so much better than what they are showing. And Miles was mentioning yeah. we obviously he'd happily have Harvey Barnes at Villa, and he's a very talented player. Obviously, yeah, and there's a few of them I'd have at Villa. You look at how many players have dropped off, the likes of Tillemans and indeed indeed we were talking about being seventy million pound player a couple of seasons ago, and he looked a shadow of it. Mm, yeah, so I've. You just got to question the players' desire in that squad. A lot of them will be on the way. Let's be honest. Next season, regardless of what happens, I think that you'd think that the club would mean something to them, um, and it just doesn't look like that at times. Well, it's going to be difficult to call without this Leicester Newcastle game being finalised. But I mean, even if Leicester lose, they're three points adrift of safety, but with superior goal difference, which could play a key factor in it. Yeah. But it's all down to the the Sunday this week, isn't it? The final game of the season, Miles. And I'll go through the fixtures now, just so you're aware. So Everton played Bournemouth. You've got Leicester, West Ham and Leeds against Tottenham as well. So how's that going to shake up, do you think, on the final day? Because it depends on the opposition and where their heads are as well. Because a few of those teams are already on the beach, metaphorically, aren't they? I want Leicester to stay up. I love Dean Smith. I think we're brilliant. And I've been on here laughing at Sam Allardyce for ages and now I need him to do me a huge <laughs> favour and I need Leeds to stay up because I absolutely need them to beat Spurs. Although I think if Leicester win anyway, then that'll be fine. That's the perfect scenario for me. Leeds win on the last day and still go down. That's fantastic. But uh, I don't know. I don't know how it falls now. It's so tight. I actually think that point for Everton might be enough. I think the fact that that will give them a lot of momentum, the way they achieve the point as well. In the 99th minute, Yerry Mina as well, the, the player that we remember being cornered by a lot of the fans and them saying, we just want you to fight. And well, that's that's a pretty good fight, isn't it? In the last minute of a game. It's so tight to call. I, th- I think Everton being out of the, the, the relegation places right now, that, that's enough to kind of give them some sort of hope. That's yeah. you don't you don't want to be the team chasing at this stage in that sort of position. Doesn't matter if Leicester have got a game in hand, points on the board are the most important thing. And one mm. point for Everton this this weekend that could be huge. So yeah. yeah, I think I think they might just do it now. Do you know sadly. what? For saying how tight the relegation race has been for the last few months, it's actually worked out where the weakest teams have fallen to the bottom, hasn't it? And I do think that the ones that are fighting well, relegation now are just by far the, the the worst form, obviously. Least chemistry, least momentum. And like you say, that point for Everton might be just the tiny little flicker of hope that they need. Would you ever have put Leicester in this picture, though? Honestly, it's Dave's right. That squad is way too good. Mm. How, how good is that squad on paper? 
it's comparative to the rest of the league. Would you put it 12? We're talking about how teams have chemistry and how teams look to the future. Oh, absolutely. Leicester have no chemistry right now because nobody's looking beyond this season. Brendan Rodgers couldn't look beyond this season either. When he was in charge, he knew that a lot of the players were leaving. That kind of lack of stability is is costly, massively costly. It could cost them their Premier League status. I think you can narrow it down to one thing, losing Kasper Schmeichel in the summer. Possibly. it, obviously, they struggled with Danny Ward in goal for ages. And that was kind of the last bit of the spirit that they had from that, that Leicester team that's been so successful over the last few years. I know Vardy's still present, but obviously as he he's not a player that can kind of achieve the same level at this sort of age. Whereas Schmeichel, it, it, I, I can't get my head around him moving. I really, I still don't understand how that happened or they allowed that to happen. And it's bizarre because Dave's right, and, and I know you've said it too, Mike, that a lot of them have clearly got their heads turned by what's happening in the summer. I think it's already confirmed that Tielemans will move on. Madison yeah. will get a big move somewhere. Barnes could move on. But I just, I can't believe. I, I, I just have assumed for the last few weeks, Leicester will just pick a couple of wins up somewhere. It will happen. Yeah. They'll just get a couple of wins. I don't know where from, but it will happen. They're too good not to. I wonder if Newcastle kind of confirming top four at the weekend might be enough or whether they might want to just see it over the line this week. Yeah. The last game of the season's huge. Massive. Uh, but I'd want to play Bournemouth out of all of those teams. What are Bournemouth playing for? No discredit to Bournemouth. Yeah. Like they've been phenomenal this season and they're definitely a better side than Everton, but they're not really playing for anything, are they? No, that's true. Well, the knock on effect that that Forest result had on the table is huge isn't it because Forest could have still been in it had they lost and I think we've made assumptions about results and the way they're going to go a lot this season and been surprised at every turn it feels like every week there's something new and the only thing really to settle now is the European places apart from the relegation obviously with the title being won top four is almost settled I think Man United and Newcastle both need a point in the next game United play midweek against Chelsea so we never know how that's going to turn out but below that in the Europa League and the Europa Conference League it's still quite competitive, although Tottenham going down to Brentford has kind of dragged them into the picture as well, hasn't it, Dave? Yeah. So how do you see the European places playing out? And also credit to Brighton for securing their Europa League place as well. Yeah, obviously, it's crazy how far Brighton, let's just talk about them first and how well they've done this season. I think some of them stats you were mentioning, Mike, about possession and it's crazy really, isn't it? How actually, how dominant they are as a team in in and out of possession and a couple of weeks ago when I was watching um, Brighton versus Arsenal I just found it I was mesmerised by just by how well how dominating they were in that game in particular against a team as good as Arsenal how they've evolved over the course of the season it's just been a joy to watch Um, so I'm I'm really happy to see them in, in Europe next season I think We'll obviously see how they kind of balance that because they've obviously had the league campaign this year in which they've done really well. Might find it a little bit tough to kind of balance the two as we've seen some teams do over the course of uh, recent history. And um, I just feel as though Brentford, I'm not sure whether... Obviously, they've had a big miss in Ivan Tony. I think they did really well in the last game, especially the second half. The performance in the second half was brilliant. They're brilliant. Um, Tottenham didn't do any of them, themselves any favours, let's be honest. But and um, <laughs> especially the end of the season, I think Mbuma has been fantastic. Um, Quality. He's been lucky not to get a goal in uh, in the game against Liverpool as well. He had one disallowed. Brilliant finish. 
He's been he's such an underrated player for me. It goes really in the shadow because of Tony. But um, I just think what Thomas Frank's done there, especially this season, last season, I think their performances this season have definitely have been in the shadow just because of the teams around them who've done really well. But they've come, I think they've really finished strong this season because they went through a spell where they were actually not getting enough points or losing games. But of recent, um, the last few weeks, they've done really well. Yeah, the European pitch is looking quite interesting now. Obviously, Tottenham losing to Brentford has, has meant that Brentford could overtake Tottenham, which we knew they were probably slide spurs, but that's ridiculous. <laughs> but above them, you've still got um, something to be decided, right? So Aston Villa drawing with Liverpool was was monumental, really, wasn't it? And I'm sure as a Villa fan, Miles, you'll be kicking yourself at that missed penalty from Ollie Watkins because what could have been? I mean, that would have secured United's Champions League space for a start. So it's really frustrating. For <laughs> yeah, Oliver's. I really care about that. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think the, the impact that would have had on the European positions as well is huge. So what? how do you read into that one or draw? Because on paper, it looks great, but it was there for the taking, wasn't it? Uh, we were outstanding. I'm gutted that we didn't get the three points because actually a point at home to Brighton on the last day of the season then would have been enough to secure the Conference League for us. Mm. And actually winning against Liverpool would have vaguely kept us in the Europa League picture as well. That late goal kind of made things more tricky for us than we want them to be. We've got a harder fixture than Spurs have on the last day of the season, it's easy to say. But I'm really proud of it as a result. I think a lot of people would have expected Liverpool on the run that they've been on, I think seven wins in a row and then playing them at Anfield with something to play for as well. Let's not forget, Liverpool were fighting for that Champions League place. Villa were excellent. The first half, they were the much better side. They were absolutely outstanding. And then in the second half, they deployed the same tactic that they deployed against Spurs of a really high defensive line, which is so risky against a team like Liverpool with the likes of Salah and Trent being able to pick a pass. But they just dealt with it so well. Mings was absolutely outstanding again. I think a few people thought he should have been sent off for a challenge on Gakpo, but it's laughable that that you'd consider that a red card when you think of Jota's challenge on Kane a few weeks ago that went unpunished. There was one for Villa where Luca Dean took a stud in the eye and that was unpunished. Mings caught him on the chest after winning the ball. And all right, it left a nasty mark on Gakpo, but you, you can't be given that as a red card. And the penalty is frustrating, but I have to say, I've seen a lot of Villa fans as always. For some reason, Villa fans love to jump on Ollie Watkins and say that he's useless and he's cost us a place in Europe, but he's scored 11 goals in 12 games that got us to this position in the first place. So I don't begrudge it. I wish someone else took the penalty. He's got a terrible penalty record, to be fair to him. I think he's he's missed five out of nine penalties he's taken, which I can't believe he had the ball in his hand, to be honest, with some of the players that are on the pitch. But what a point. It's, it's still there. I can't believe a place in Europe is it's in our hands. That's the main thing. Going into the last day, we're not relying on any other results. If we win, it's mm. ours and we're at home. Yeah. So Brighton are on the beach now, hopefully. They're quite literally and metaphorically. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Hopefully they don't even turn up to Villa Park, so we we could just we could take that point and we could all laugh at Spurs together because that would be excellent. Yeah, it would. Be, I think everyone hates Spurs this season, don't they? They just <laughs> let it slip massively. I can't believe they were top four for so long, but uh, yeah, the European places have been a really exciting battle, Dave, haven't they? But um, with Liverpool, it looked really uncertain for a while. They were kind of in the same position literally in the table as Chelsea for a little while weren't they in mid-table but they've pulled it back quite admirably and they said goodbye to a lot of players at Anfield um, in this game actually I think there's James Milner isn't there obviously Roberto mm-hmm. Firmino in his final game scored as well 
um, Naby Keita, um, and who else is it that's going, Dave? Oxley Chamberlain. Alex Oxley Chamberlain as well. So there's a definite feeling of changing of the guard at Anfield, isn't there? But how do you feel that Liverpool will look back on this season, Dave? I think there's reasons to be positive. I think especially towards the end of the season, they have recovered like, admirably. They were a bit of a running joke for a number of two or three months, probably. Um, to be honest, but if you look at the players, it was very funny, especially the players that they brought in, like Gakpo, started to look more of the player that we've seen than before. And um, obviously, Nunes has been making an impact. Obviously, there's still elements to his game which we know that he will improve. And uh, I just feel as though if they look towards the end of the season, and they're obviously Klopp's already mentioned it finishing the Europa League, he's, he's quite happy with that, considering where they were a number of weeks ago, a number of months even, and to push Man United and Newcastle this far and this close, to actually a really good position that they're in. I think it, fans are always going to be disappointed with, obviously, the situation, because, you know, it's Liverpool that, and how well they've done over the last few seasons. They feel as though they should be in the Champions League, and, you know, probably rightfully so. The, 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 how they have actually finished the season, there's plenty of reason for optimism and positivity. Um, yeah. This this transfer window is going to be massive for them just because of the outgoings that they've got. Well, that's the problem they're going to have, though, because with Champions League football not being there, how are they going to replace the players, you know? Because the well, money's not going to be quite the same. <laughs> there's a couple of Villa players, to be fair, that, that actually I've seen little links with elsewhere. And one of them was Jacob Ramsey being lined up with Liverpool. And you saw why in this game anyone would be interested in his 100th appearance for Aston Villa at 21. Wow. A phenomenal finish for the goal. But you also saw what it meant to him. Watching him shush the cop end was absolutely fantastic. I really enjoyed watching that, obviously, as a Villa fan who can't stand Liverpool. And the impact that he's had this season, I think a lot of people assumed that he was kind of Steven Gerrard's pet project. And when Unai Emery came in, maybe he'd be one of the names that got replaced. But he's he's phenomenal. Mm. He's, he's having such a huge impact. I think now he's only three goals behind Jack Grealish in the Premier League, Preston Villa. Wow, that's really imp- impressive that he's done 100 appearances for the club in the first place. But that goal tally is comparable to Grealish. Yeah, that's really impressive. And from centre midfield, and all right, he plays a more attacking midfield role, but there's a lot of teams that could do with a midfielder of his quality. And Villa's midfield as a whole, we know that that's Liverpool's weakest area on the pitch right now. Fabinho looked shocking in this game, to be honest. I can't believe he wasn't sent off. The amount of fouls that he that he committed in this game was, was atrocious. And he seemed to get away without a booking until about the 70th minute. And then they subbed him straight off, I think. Yeah. It was it was an interesting one. Obviously, there was the, the offside goal that was a bit contentious. And a few people were a bit angry about that. To me, it's pretty clear Van Dijk's in an offside position. So I don't really know what you're, you're hoping for. The penalty was as clear as day. The fact that Canate argued for it as, as long as he wanted to was hilarious. Watkins was so clever in that. The way he just he got his foot to the ball at exactly the right moment to take it away from the defender, he knew the challenge was coming. Yeah. I think that there's always that argument about whether the person who's fouled should take the penalty or not, and maybe that was a good example of it. And I did wonder whether actually Watkins should have been on the pitch. There was a moment really early on where Van Dyke kind of went up for a header and went straight into the back of Watkins's head, and the way he hit the floor mm. and he was down for quite a while. I did. I assumed there was a concussion substitute come in, so not to make him excuses, but. We're still in the fight. I can't believe it. No, <laughs> I, thought, I thought play, we'd be playing for Premier League safety on the last day of the season, the way it was going at the start. So 
to be fighting for the Conference League. Look at how well West Ham have done that and how much it's galvanised them towards the back end of the season, having that to play for. Villa, Villa would be favourites for it if they went into it next season, let's be honest. Yeah. Well, this is another testament to how changing a manager at the right time can make a big influence on a, the way a club has its season because the turnaround under Unai Emery has been just phenomenal. So if you want to stick around and keep in touch with this podcast, we'll be doing a real deep dive into all the clubs and how their season's played out and probably what they're looking to next season in terms of recruitment. Villa being a big one and a big uh, focus we'll have I think especially from uh, Miles's point of view so stay tuned for that um, but lastly on the pod today guys I'm going to just go through a few of the football highlights from from the week just gone because there's been a few outside of the Premier League to talk about so notably the the WSL is coming to a close so the title race is going to the last day there we've also got the the playoffs in the EFL um, leagues all the way down have been absolutely phenomenal so anything catch your eye Dave what's been the biggest highlight for you outside of the Premier League this uh, last week oh it's got to be Sheffield Wednesday comeback, hundred percent. Oh, that's one of the best games I've seen this season. Ridiculous, unbelievable. I think if it's just the drama, like I, I think there was. If you look at, I feel really sorry for Peterborough. I feel really, really feel for them, I and it's the, it's the biggest turnaround, isn't it? I think in playoff history, and to be in a situation where yeah. you're four 0 up going into the second leg. You know, you can expect sort of a fight back from obviously the team that's behind, but to of that magnitude, it was absolutely phenomenal, and I'm really happy for Sheffield Wednesday, and I'd love, I'd love Wednesday to go up just because I think those who are old enough to remember them being obviously in, in the Premier League, in the obviously in the first division, and obviously there's a lot of nostalgia mm. there, but. I, I just feel as well how well they've played this season. Obviously, they were top of the league for the majority of it. I think it was the last, you know, five or six weeks where they really dropped off a cliff. And Darren Moore's done a phenomenal job. And I just thought it's it was almost like a bit of a a fairy tale ending. And let's just hope it's it's going to be a tough game against uh, Barnsley, but and obviously a bit of a derby as well. So that will be a really interesting one to watch. But I think how well they actually to come back and it showed a real a real uh, character of the squad and just the mentality they've got I think Barry Bannon as well he's the best player in that league I don't I don't understand how he's playing league one he's he's absolutely brilliant to watch he's le- his level of technical ability he weren't that good a few years back I tell you that much <laughs> if you're watching that he's too good he's too good for that league and uh, you will see a lot of factors yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, he's kicked off. I think it's it's a great um, it's it shows how you know the kind of mentality and the kind of person that he is. He actually stayed at, at Wednesday though as well, and um, to obviously bring them back. And I, I think it will be a great story if they do. We'll obviously see what happens in the final. Well, I think Pep Guardiola was saying how that's one of the biggest reasons why he wants to stick around in England for a little bit longer because of the quality of football down the pyramid, the passion you see from the fans in these kind of games and the reaction from the Wednesday fans was was just phenomenal, wasn't it? And they will play in in the final against Barnsley, who of course beat Bolton to get there. So all these former Premier League teams down the pyramid yeah. coming up, um, fighting their way back again, it's, it's, it's really crazy and nostalgic at the same time and... Uh, Coventry Luton in the Championship player final as well is another one that's going to be sort of peaking interest, isn't it, when it finally comes around? But uh, other than that, Miles, have you got anything you want to talk about? Any highlights from the football calendar? 
Two very quick highlights. One of them, Aston Villa women's have finished fifth in the WSL, which is just a phenomenal achievement. I can't believe they've managed to reach that height. But let me paint a picture for you of, of the most exciting thing. Imagine back-to-back European finals. It's got to be a glamorous achievement, no? A typical Jose Mourinho nil-nil and Roma... Two two European finals yeah. in two years. It's the most Mourinho thing I've ever seen. A one nil home win taken to the second leg and then just grind it out, bring on an extra defender in the seventieth minute and just <laughs> play your game, man. Roma getting to another European finals. That's that's the the highlight of the week for me. That's an unbelievable achievement. I think all the European European finals look pretty tasty, don't they? Obviously the Champions League looks like it might be quite a one sided affair, but you know, West Ham Fiorentina is pretty tasty, isn't it? And um, yeah, that, I think just seeing the quality of them competitions come to life is is really impressive. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to that as well. But the next week, we next time we talk next week, we'll have seen the final Premier League games take shape, and we'll know who's gone down. We'll know who's finished in every position. So plenty to talk about in next week's pod. Please do stick around. Please do stay tuned, and please do tune into our, our YouTube channel as well, where you can see all of this actually happen in front of you if you want to see our our ugly mugs on screen or we might be on bbc news at some point in the near future you never know but until, until next week guys really appreciate sky sports time. next come on sky sports yeah let's raise the bar a little bit me and me and michael richards can have a good laugh together <laughs> i'd pay to see that that'd be amazing <laughs> but yeah please do check us out and uh yeah guys i'll see you next week great to see you as always 